So I have to confess that I, on Sunday morning as the worship team is singing, I'm always, you know, you'll be so impressed with this. I'm always cramming. You know, like I try to memorize, I know you're shocked. I'm try, I try to memorize my messages and because I don't think you want me to stand up here and read to you. So I try to memorize them and I get it all in my head. So I use every minute of every Sunday morning to cram. And this morning is no different. So just now I was finishing my cramming and I hear the song end. I'm like, oh dear, that was a quick song. I needed that to be about two minutes longer. So if you will bear with me for just, do you hear noise? Ah, that would be the worship team talking in the uh, area. I'll be right back. Talk amongst yourselves. I'm back. Sorry. I don't really know what that was about, but, I, you know, we had some microphone issues, which gave me a great way to actually go do what I needed to do anyway, which was the long-winded illustration. I left my sermon props out in the commons area, so I had to go get them. So, you know, I could easily, you know, just say, hey, y'all need to turn your microphones off, unless you're going to talk about how great your preacher is, and then please leave them on. So this morning, we were talking, that was a joke, okay? I don't really think I'm that great. Um, this morning, we're going to talk about forgiveness. And if I were, a few weeks ago, when it sort of snowed and, and we had online worship instead of worship here in person because it was also daylight savings time, and we knew that probably five of you would worship in person and the majority of you would worship online, which we're always grateful that you do that, uh, we decided to have worship just here and project it on the video screen for you in your homes. And I had a volunteer come up and I offered her sardines to eat if you were worshiping with us online that day. There was a bag of $100 underneath a thing of sardines. And I said, hey, will you, will you, you know, I'll give you the $100 if without using your hands, you'll go and, and get the money out from the sardines. And I could tell, uh, Pat Benfield was the volunteer, I could tell that she was trying to analyze if she bent a certain way. Could she get the bag, the baggie of the money out from underneath the sardines without putting her face down in the sardines? She decided that she couldn't, and so I got to keep my $100. Now, this morning... This is Clorox. I have two different kinds of cleaning agents here, Windex and Clorox. I would hope, I'm not going to ask because somebody might do something weird, but I would hope that if I asked you, do I have any volunteers to come up and drink the Clorox or the Windex, that you would say no because these are poisonous substances and we do not choose to ingest poisonous substances because they do damage to our bodies. See, that is why I did not ask for volunteers. Um, because, you know, you can like go then make yourself throw up and, and you'll, fi you'll figure out a way around this. So uh, there's no prize today for drinking the Clorox, but that's a great question. Um, if... We were to drink, and we like to have fun here, so it's okay to laugh at stuff like that. And actually, it is okay to talk back to me. I, I like that. Um, 
in reason. Uh, when we don't forgive each other, it's like drinking a poisonous substance. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to look at what Jesus said about forgiving people. This is probably one of the most difficult faith concepts to grasp. Because you see, if we need to forgive somebody of something, it means that they've hurt us. And it means that we are carrying around the pain and the ick and the wounds. And that's what had happened in the movie The Shack. You know, Mac... The father, on this camping trip, his other two kids were out canoeing in the middle of a lake, and the daughter stood up, and she was playing around in the canoe. The canoe capsized, and the son got caught underneath the canoe with his life jacket. So Mac jumps in the water to go save his son, and while they were not watching Missy, This serial killer had been stalking families in this campground. He was very calculated in in his stalking of people. And so when he saw that nobody was watching Missy, that's when he took her. And so Mac blamed himself. The daughter blamed herself for standing up in the canoe. And then as that pain and that anger seeped in, Mac started blaming God. And he, of course, blamed the killer, as he should have, right? When we experience pain or tragedy, we get angry. And then we become sad But lots of times we mask our sadness with anger and fear. And then ultimately, later on in in our journeys, we will find that we're hard and we're, we're cold. And we will find that if we don't let go of these feelings of animosity and hatred and and anger towards the others that have hurt us, that we become so closed that we're the ones that are drinking the poison. We're the ones that are killing ourselves inside. Maybe not outside, but we are inside by our lack of ability to forgive. So as Mac is on this journey, he goes to this place called the shack. That's where the murder occurred. He goes to the shack and he, he's received this invitation by God. And God reveals God's self to Mac at this shack in the presence of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, which in the movie is known as Sarah Yu. And so Mac goes through this weekend where he is having this dialogue with God. And part of the dialogue is Mac coming to terms with his anger, asking questions that I think you and I ask too, like, why do bad things happen to, to innocent children? Why do bad things happen to good people? You know, we were trying to live our lives right. We were going by all the religious rules, and then, and then this happens. Not fair, God. What kind of God are you? So Mac is having this dialogue with God, known as Papa in the movie and in the book. And so Papa keeps encouraging Mac to not just keep looking outward, but to look inward. And so that's what I want us to do this morning for just a few minutes. I want us to think about situations that we have in our lives that cause us pain. 
So today's not, you know, it's not, it isn't going to be this fun Sunday where we laugh the rest of the time through the message. This is heavy stuff. Today's a heavy day. But it's important. Because I think lots of times when we carry around the anger and the pain in our souls that we have because we've been hurt by other people, we really are doing damage to ourselves. It's like drinking this. And none of us want to do that. At one point in the movie, God, Papa, is pushing Mac to let go of his pain and actually forgive the killer. Now, I don't know about you, but if someone had brought harm to my children or someone that I love, if you don't have kids, I get really protective about the people that I love. So if you hurt them, it's almost worse than hurting me. So Mac is so closed and so angry and so bitter, but God keeps pushing him and he takes him on this this healing trail. And what Mac figures out is God's actually leading him to the place where Missy's body had been hidden by the killer. And on this journey, on this trail of healing, Mac gets in this deep dialogue with God. And that's the clip that I want us to take a look at this morning. Now, God in this clip that you're getting ready to see reveals God's self differently to Mac than he does in any of the other movie. When, when Mac first encounters God as Papa, God is a woman. And the point that Paul Young writes in the book that I think is so beautiful, he did that on purpose to bust up our preconceived ideas about God. You know, a lot of us, we think God is a man. God is, is not a human being. God is God. God is so much more than we could even begin to think of or imagine. God is not the best version of ourselves. God is divine. God is, is a divinity and energy. And we can't even begin to fathom how big and how vast and how great God is. So at the beginning of the movie and the book, God reveals God's self to Mac as a woman, a mama, a nurturing figure. Because Mac had a terrible past with his father. His father abused him, beat him, beat his mom. And Mac ultimately poisoned his dad. So he had been carrying that around in his life as well. So the first three-fourths of the movie, Papa is a woman. But then there's this part in the movie where Matt goes on this trail for forgiveness and and he encounters a very different looking God. And God reveals God's self to Mac in this way, this day, because God said to Mac, I think you needed a father today. Take a look at this clip. You just let him get away with it. Nobody gets away with anything. Everything bears consequences. What he did was horrible. I'm not asking you to excuse what he did. I'm asking you to trust me to do what's right and to know what's best. Then what? Forgiveness doesn't establish your relationship. It's just about letting go of his throat. Forgiveness doesn't have to establish a relationship. It means you just let go of his throat. 
When we won't forgive other people, it is like we are taking our anger and our frustration and all the negative emotions that we feel and we are holding them by the throat. And we are pouring all of our energy and all of our attention onto that grasp and, and we need to let it go. It does nothing good for us to not let go. So how do we do it? How do we forgive other people when they have hurt us? Well, the first thing we have to do is remember that hurting people hurt people. Last Sunday in the message that we had about judgment and we talked about does God you know, condemn people to heaven or hell? We talked about the fact that we assume that God judges other people the way we judge other people. And we talked about the fact that we all judge everybody all the time for small things and large things. So we have this misconception of God that God is judging. And, and I think the way that they phrase it in the movie is so powerful, you know, because Mac, uh, killing someone's a sin. I think we can all agree on that, that when we take somebody else's life, that is a sin. Sin, hamartia, the Hebrew word for sin, it means missing the mark. When we're on a pathway to be at one with God and in love with God and living in God's love and, and we keep missing the mark, that is sin. Mac wants God to give the killer the consequences for his sin. And God points out to Mac, you know, I don't, I don't have to dole out consequences on sin. Sin has its own consequences always. So that's another thing we need to keep in mind is that sin has its own consequences and hurting people hurt people. So when we are wronged by someone else, there's so much more going on in them than we can even, we can even begin to imagine. And so if we'll start to look at situations that way, you know, Jesus on the cross told the thief that was hanging next to him, you know, today you're going to be with me in paradise. He offers him forgiveness and, and the man doesn't have to confess anything or do anything. That same grace is offered to each of us. But Jesus also says while he's hanging there in pain and agony dying, Father, Father God, forgive them for they don't know what they do. So many times in our lives when people hurt us, they don't know what they're doing. And so when we let that grip us and we start to hold on to that pain and that anger and the resentment, all it's doing is killing us. It's, it's not doing anything to them. A preacher friend of mine, uh, had, she was serving in a church that had canceled one of the worship services. They had two. One was later in the morning and had you know 150 people. And then they had an early service at like 8 a.m. And I think 15 people went to that early service. And she moved there and like a good United Methodist pastor made no changes within the first year. They move us around, the bishop and the cabinet. And so her first year, she made no changes. She tried to get the people to trust her and love her. And so then, in year two, they couldn't pay their bills. They had already cut staff. They had already decreased their programming or the ministry opportunities. And they were not doing anything missionally. 
And so she sat with the board of directors, steering board, whatever you want to call it. And she said, you know, look, I really think we need to cancel this eight, this, this eight o'clock service. We have 15 people. We're paying about $15,000 for staff to staff this service with 15 people. Now, those of you who do business or money management, you realize that the math does not add up. 15 people, around $15,000 of resources, it's an easy decision, right? Well, not for those 15 people. That was their service. When we become a part of a church, we like to make things ours. You guys don't do that, so huge kudos to you, and, and I mean that. But this particular church had turned inward instead of outward, and it was theirs. And so the staff parish committee, all these committees met, and they made this decision to cancel this church. They had a a closing ceremony. And, you know, the point was, I hope you'll go to the 11 o'clock worship service. Well, the 15 people quit going to church. They figured that would happen. They were hoping it wouldn't, but they figured that it would. The pastor reached out and she said, you know, I miss you. I'm so sorry that you feel that this is your only course of, of action. And so then... About six months later, one of the ringleaders in, the, in that service that had instigated the whole you know, boycott of church came to meet with her. And she said, she called me that morning. She's like, I really need you to pray for me today. I don't know what to do. And, and I'm anxious about this. And I said, well, I will most certainly. I said, just you know, be you and, and be calm and God will take care of the rest. As she sat through that meeting with this family that was so angry at her. They said, you know, we, we quit coming to church. She said, I know. And they said, well, we wanted to hurt you. We wanted to hurt you, and we thought we would do that by not coming, by withholding our attendance, and, you know, if we don't come, we don't give. So we thought we'd show you. And she laughed, and she said, well, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way, but that didn't hurt me. That hurt you. I don't know, I haven't asked her recently if that family came back to church, but you know, they had been seething for six months and had gotten the other 15 to not come to church with them because you know, they wanted to hurt my friend and they wanted to hurt their church. Now, in churches, we're just all people, so we all mess up, we all make mistakes and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I don't know what the point in that was other than hurting people hurt people, whether they mean to or not. So whether we like to admit it or not, the first step when we forgive someone is to look at it from their perspective. It doesn't mean we like to. And it doesn't mean, you know, that we necessarily have to stay there because forgiveness is a journey. But taking that first step and recognizing that, you know what, they're probably in pain too. That's the first step in working through that pain. When Jesus was teaching with the disciples, he told them, you know, look, forgiveness is key. It's critical. Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus, said, okay, well, how many times, really, do we need to forgive somebody? 
Seven times seven, so like 49 times. Now remember, they were very methodical in the way that they did things. So 49 times, you know, it's like a little check box. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Not seven times seven, but 70 times seven. And what Jesus was saying when he told him that was not to, you know, make a longer checklist. It was to let it go. And then Jesus told them the story that's recorded in the gospel of Matthew. He was trying, this is one of those modern day parables that Jesus was telling them in their time. He was telling them a story about a kingdom and a king. And he's trying to give them a glimpse of God. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. So this king has some slaves. He wants to settle the accounts So when the king began the reckoning, one of the slaves who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And of course, the slave could not pay. So the king ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions. And payment was then to be made. But listen to what happened. The slave fell on his knees before him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Have patience with me, I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of the slave released him and forgave him of the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. The fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience on me and I will pay you. But he refused. So the slave that had been forgiven then went and threw this slave in prison until he would pay the debt. When the other slaves saw what happened, they were greatly distressed. They went and reported to the Lord all that had taken place. And then the Lord summoned him and said, you wicked slave, I forgave you all the debts because you pleaded with me. Should you not have mercy on your fellow slave just like I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. And so then Jesus wraps it up and tells the disciples and the followers that he had been teaching this. So just like you just heard that story, you know, when he wouldn't forgive, so my heavenly father will also do to every one of you, if you don't forgive your brother and your sister, from your heart. It's really metaphorical, the whole poison image, but that is what happens when we won't let go of the pain and the anger and the hurt that we have towards other people. It hurts us far more than it hurts them. So how do we do it? The first thing, we recognize that hurting people hurt people and we have to look at everything, everything from the eyes of the other person. We have to. And then the second thing is we realize we don't have to do it alone. When Mac was on that healing trail in the movie, God was right there with him, revealing God's self to Mac in the way that Mac needed in that moment. That is what we believe is true about this God, that God reveals God's self to us 
If we will just be open and hold on to that instead of holding on so hard and so fast to our pain and our anger, hold on to God. All throughout scripture, God says, I am with you always, always. So we have to let go of our pain and we have to trust God that we don't have to go it alone. And then the next thing we need to do is we need to name it. We need to name what we need to forgive. It is one thing to keep it all bottled up inside of us. It is another thing to actually say it out loud or say it to God. God, I need to forgive so-and-so because they hurt me. Their words hurt me. Their actions hurt me. I need to forgive and I need to let it go. And then we need to realize that God does take that pain. And God does give us peace. Forgiving does not mean we forget But what it does mean is that we don't let our anger and our pain drive our actions anymore. And it is a journey. You cannot forgive something just like that, especially if it is a a huge pain that we carry around. If you watch the whole shack, and I highly recommend it, at one point, Max sitting there and there's a ladybug crawling inside of his hand and he closes up his hand and he wants to crush the ladybug because the serial killer was known as the ladybug killer. He left behind a ladybug pen so they would know that he was the one who killed Missy. So Max just sitting there like this with his hand gripped so tightly And then God says to him, you know, this is a process. This is a journey. You have to let go and know that I will do it with you. But holding on to this is not helping anyone here. And so Mac opens his hand and you see that the ladybug is still alive and the ladybug flies away. And so then they continue on the journey. And here's what happens. They get into this cave And there's all these rocks that are stacked up on top of each other. So Mac starts pulling away the rocks and then he discovers Missy's body, which they had not been able to find. So there is the body of his dead child, such a cute little girl that had been kidnapped and killed tragically, lying naked there in this cave. Now, how do you think he felt about forgiving that man then? So God says to him, you know, okay, let's, let's take her home. And he starts to wrap the body in a shroud. And they pick up her body. And Matt carries her dead, naked body to its grave. And the whole time he does that, he keeps chatting and chanting. I forgive you, 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 I forgive you. Until he finally gets to the resting place. We have to chant, I forgive you for those who have hurt us. And we have to let our pain and our anger go. Desmond Tutu talks about forgiveness. And he said, you know, it's like It's like us being in this room and there are windows all around and they are boarded up and the curtains are drawn and it is dark outside and 
we can't get out there to have the fresh air because we are not un, we are not willing to open up the curtains and see we are not willing to look and see that there is a world of beauty and freshness beyond us I want you to take a look at this quote by Corey Ten Boom. She and her father were Christians and they, they protected the Jews during the Holocaust. Forgiveness is an act of will. And will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Will can function regardless of temperature of the heart. I don't know what it is that you need to bury today, but I can guarantee you one thing. We all have stuff to bury. It is a matter of will. Our hearts can still hurt, but we can name it and then we can carry it to a grave. You were given a little slip of paper this morning. I hope when you walked in, it said forgiveness on it. If you weren't given one, grab a a piece of paper or when you walk by the fire pit outside, I ask you just to pause and, and think of what it is that you need to let go. But during the closing song in just a second, I invite you to name what it is that you need to carry to a grave. What is it, who is it that you need to forgive? Because we were not created to ingest poison that eats us up from the inside. We were created to be a people of love and a people of peace and a people of grace. That same grace that was offered to each of us, we are called, whether it's hard or not, to offer it to other people. Let us pray. Gracious God, will you show us what it is that we need to forgive Will you let us let it go and help us to name it and know that we are not alone as we do so. You are a God of power and a God of grace. Help us to receive that grace and then offer it to each other. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We're all called to let go of that pain that holds on to us and we are called to forgive So name what it is you need to let go of and then let God fill you with the peace and the grace of forgiveness. In the name of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, go in forgiveness and peace.